Hello everybody, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I'm in Matthew 21. We're going to do verses 42 through the end of the chapter, verse 46. Jesus is now in Jerusalem. He's teaching the, well, he's criticizing the Pharisees, teaching the crowd. This is Passion Week. It's Tuesday of Passion Week. His teaching is centered around a central theme, which is God is rejecting the Jews and he's going to choose Jesus. He's given them two parables along that line, the parable of the two sons and the parable of the absentee vineyard owner who sent the slaves to collect the fruit and they killed the servants and then they killed his son. That parable clearly referred to the rejection of the Jews and then the landowner was going to come and destroy that kingdom that is referring ahead 40 years later to when... God destroyed the Jews, the Jewish kingdom, through the agency of the Roman Empire in the Jewish War, AD 70. So Jesus is continuing with that theme of rejection of, of God rejecting the Jews. In verse 42, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The stone, of course, that the builders rejected was Jesus. He's become the cornerstone, not of old Israel, but of new Israel the church. This came from the Lord and is wonderful in our eyes. Jesus is quoting Psalm 118 verses 22 and 23. I'll read that to you now. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord. It is wonderful in our eyes. Now in Psalms that verse was referring to David apparently according to Adam Clark. David was rejected by the Jewish leaders but then he became the cornerstone by becoming the ruler of Israel. This, of course, probably refers to the fact that that David was rejected by Saul and his uh, family as he spent the first seven years ruling down in Hebron instead of up in Jerusalem. It took him a while before he became the chief honcho, the chief cornerstone. Now, this word cornerstone, by the way, can be translated capstone. The Greek is ambiguous. It doesn't matter. It's a very important stone in the building. The, stone, the building does not stay up without the cornerstone. It doesn't stay up without the capstone. Now the idea of Jesus being a stone is a metaphor that's quite widespread through the scripture. Stone in, in different ways. Cornerstone here in this way, but also a stone of stumbling that causes people to stumble and to get broken on. And also the stone that destroys the pagan empires of this world. We'll look at that as we go through some scriptures in the Old Testament. Isaiah 28 verse 16 says this, Therefore the Lord God said, Look, I have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshakable. And that's the same idea here. Jesus is the cornerstone of, his, of, the, of the new Zion, the new Jerusalem, the church, a sure foundation. Acts 4.11, this Jesus, this is when the disciples were preaching in Jerusalem right after Pentecost. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. So there the idea is explicit. Jesus has been rejected, but now he's the cornerstone of the church. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 through 6 says this. This is Peter speaking here. He says this, Coming to him a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God. He's a living stone, and he's rejected by men. But you yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it is contained in Scripture, Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So there we have the same idea of Jesus being a cornerstone, as being, and this is uh, asserted by Peter. 
And not, and not only is Jesus the chief cornerstone, other Christians, we are stones too in that same temple that Jesus is the cornerstone of or the capstone of. Isaiah 8:14. he will be a sanctuary, but for the two houses of Israel, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now here we have Jesus not as the cornerstone of the new temple, of the new Jerusalem of the church, now he's a stone that the Jews are going to stumble over, or anybody that doesn't believe in him. Actually, here in Isaiah 8:14 is the two houses of Israel, northern and southern Israel. They're going to stumble over Jesus, and Jesus is going to become a trap and a snare, which is exactly what happened because they didn't believe him, and therefore God came and wiped them out, just as in the parable of the absentee landlord. Daniel chapter 2, verse 34 through 35, as you were watching, a stone broke off. This is Daniel was watching. A stone broke off without a hand touching it, struck the statue on its feet of iron and fixed clay and crushed them. If you recall, there were four statues in Daniel's dream, prophetic dreams. There was the gold statue with the gold head. That was Babylon. Then you got the silver chest. That's Medo-Persia. Then you got the brass thighs. That is the Greek kingdom, Alexander the Great and the four successors. And then you got the Roman, the feet of iron and clay, the iron, the fired clay and so forth. That was the Roman Empire. So those were, that was the succession of pagan world empires. And Jesus is going to beat them all because the stone is going to land on the feet which is the Romans, the successor of pagan empire, the last one, the biggest one of them all, and yet that stone is going to beat that empire. Excuse me, I misspoke. I didn't mean to say there were four statues. I meant to say there were four sections of one statue, all each section made out of different metals. Let's read that. As you were watching a stone, and this is in Daniel chapter 2, verses 34 through 35. As you were watching, a stone broke off without a hand touching it, struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay, and crushed them. Then the iron, the fired clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold. Iron with the fired clay is Rome. The bronze is Alexander the Great and successor Greek kingdoms. The silver is Medo-Persia, and the gold is Babylon. That statue was shattered. It became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away, and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And that stone, of course, that's the fifth monarchy. That's the kingdom of God. It struck the statue and became a great mountain and filled the whole earth, just like the kingdom of God right now is filling the whole earth, as in Asia, as in China, as in India, as in Africa. Daniel 2, verse 44, a few verses later, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven, that's the, and of course that would be the Roman Empire, which was the last of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, and this kingdom will not be left to another people. That's us, folks. That's the Church of Christ. It will crush all these kingdoms, all the world kingdoms, all the powers of this world. The kingdom of God will crush them and bring them to an end. But this kingdom will itself endure forever. Now, of course, that's the stone, the stone, Jesus' stone that smashes the pagan kings. Here's another verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them. This is Joseph and Mary and told, uh, excuse me, uh, Mary and this baby Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Jesus' mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. Yes, many people fell when Jesus came, the ones that didn't believe in him. The kingdom was taken away. All right, let's read verse 42 again. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This came from the Lord is wonderful in our eyes. Now, of course, the Pharisees didn't like, like to hear that. 
They were thinking of how they're going to kill him, and he's talking about how he's going to become the cornerstone of the new kingdom. Now, that was a little, a little bit oblique. Here in verse 43, the next verse in chapter 21, Jesus flat out tells the Pharisees what's going to happen to them, the, the Jews, not just the Pharisees, the Sadducees too, and the rulers. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation producing its fruit. The nation producing its fruit is the Gentiles. Producing what fruit? The kingdom of God was supposed to be in the Jewish hands to produce belief in Yahweh. It didn't do that. It didn't produce its fruit. So the kingdom will be taken and given to the Gentiles, the church, and they will produce fruit. And that's exactly what happened. Now, that that's speaking spiritually. Kingdom of God will be, uh, we're not talking about earthly kingdoms, we're talking about spiritual kingdoms here. But you know, the interesting thing is politically it happened too because the Jews had turned the Old Testament kingdom of God, which was supposed to be a spiritual enterprise, and turned it into a political nation. And God said, and God did take that away from them and gave it to the Gentiles, the Romans, who wiped it out in AD 70. So not only were the Jews deprived of their spiritual inheritance, and it was given to the Gentiles because most of the church became Gentiles by the second century, but also politically they were wiped out by the Roman Gentiles. Matthew chapter 21, verse 44. Whoever falls on this stone, of course, Jesus is now referring to himself. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And, of course, he's talking about the people he's talking to. Jesus did not mince word. He said, you're going to be broken to pieces, you nasty Pharisees and Sadducees. But on whoever it falls, whoever the stone falls, it will grind into powder. So, basically, he's telling them they've got one of two choices. You can either fall on me and be broken to pieces, or you can get, or I can fall on you, and you're going to get ground to powder. Either way, you are toast. And that's exactly what happened. Forty years later, they were gone with the wind, and they ain't never coming back again, unless you're a dispensationalist, which I'm not. All right, so, by the way, verse 44, this verse is not in uh, some manuscripts in Matthew, but the verse is in Luke 20, verse 18, exactly the same thing. So the verse is legitimate, whether it's in this particular book or not. It's the same idea. This stone is a stumbling stone. It's going to hurt people that don't believe. Again, it seems to be quoting Isaiah. I mentioned this earlier. I quoted again, Isaiah 8, verses 14 through 15. He will be a sanctuary, the Messiah, but for the two houses of Israel, I assume that's the northern and southern kingdom, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over these. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. So Jesus is a stumbling block to the unbelieving Jews who murdered him. And they certainly fell and were broken in eighty seventy. The saddest thing you ever saw. So Jesus is telling his listeners they got a choice. They can let Jesus be a foundation stone, or they can let Jesus be a stone of stumbling. If Jesus is a stone of stumbling, that means he's going to fall on them and smash them to powder, or they're going to fall and be broken over the stone. Either way, they're toast. The idea of the stone falling on the Jews seems to be a reference to the Jewish practice of stoning criminals. They would drop a criminal over a cliff, make him walk over a cliff, then they'd drop a stone on him as he's lying down at the bottom, wounded. Kind of gruesome way to execute somebody, in my opinion, but that's what they did. And Jesus is referring to that probably when he's talking to the Jews. So, I mean, you know, this is, this is, those are fighting words. No wonder the Jews were upset with him and were trying to kill him. Verses 45 through 46, when the chief priest and the Pharisees heard his parables, and remember, it was the parables of the two sons. The two son parables said there were two sons, one who said he was going to do, well, the second son said he was going to do his will, God's will, and didn't, his father's will, and didn't do it. That referred to the Pharisees 
and the unbelieving Jews. And then there was some a son who said he wasn't going to do his father's will, but he did do it. And that referred to the tax collectors and the prostitutes who had rejected the father, God the Father, but then repented and came into the kingdom. And so that was a parable directly aimed at the priests, the chief priests, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. And, and they understood what he meant because this verse right here says that. When they heard his parables, they knew he was speaking about them. And the other parable by the absentee landowner, vineyard owner, who kept sending his slaves, his servants, to collect fruit, his rent, his rent that was due. And they just kept killing and beating the slaves as they came. And finally, the landowner got fed up with it and says, I'm going to send you my son. Surely they'll respect him. I know they killed the son, which, of course, the, and the, the, the slaves who, went, who had gone, who were being sent to collect the fruit, referred to all the prophets that the Jews had killed over the course of their history. The son was referring to Jesus, who they were about to kill. And as a result in that parable, it says that God came and destroyed the vineyard. And of course, that referred to what's going to happen to them in AD 70, fighting words. The chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables. They knew he was speaking about them. Although they were looking for a way to arrest him, they feared the crowds because the, they, the crowds, regarded him, Jesus, as a prophet, which he was, Deuteronomy 18.15 prophet. The crowds were correct. The chief priests priest and the Pharisees were wrong. The chief priests, by the way, are the big honcho priests, the, the, the number one chief priest and also the one that was currently serving and the ones who had previously served. A lot of times they were still called chief priests. And then the high priest also had a backup called the Sagan. I think that's how you pronounce that, S-A-G-A-N. So all these, they were big shots, big shot political leaders, big shot religious leaders. And the Pharisees were big shot educational leaders in the law. It doesn't mention the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, but I'm sure they were there too. Those were the political leaders. They were all, they all hated Jesus and wanted to kill him. So we'll continue with chapter 22 in the next audio. I hope you enjoyed this one. <laughs>